and a really warm welcome to you. Um, and this session will will begin with some Dharma reflections. Um, and really, you know, reflections around this theme of how can we respond with uh, greater wisdom and compassion to the turbulence that we encounter in our, our personal and collective lives. And, you know, the Dharma, the Buddha's teaching suggests that the first response to this is to cultivate some degree of inner steadiness, some degree of stability or stabilizing, some degree of collectedness and resourcing. Otherwise, we're just so easily disoriented by what's happening. We're so easily lost in agitation and reactivity midst the, the turbulence. The Buddha compared the kind of turbulence of the world to like winds that spin the world, that blow and spin the world. And, and we can just be so spun about by personal and collective turbulence and kind of lose our capacity to see clearly what might be uh, appropriate ways of responding. And so the, the Dharma really encourages us in the face of this or in the, the midst of this to begin by pausing, to begin by orienting to what will give us some steadiness, some sense of resource, some sense of ground. And this is really the whole domain of practice that, that is called samadhi. Uh, samadhi or samatha, which uh, these are words that are sometimes translated as uh, concentration but actually a much better translation is a sense of collectedness, is a sense of uh, kind of steadying, is a sense of also kind of nourishing and resourcing and cohering. Uh, samadhi is really about the cultivation of a kind of some degree of steady well-being in the midst of our experience moment by moment. And I, I also learned recently that, that in, the, in the Pali suttas, the, the word samadhi or the, the verb uh, from which it comes samadhati is also used for, for peacemaking and reconciliation in a village or in a community. And uh, so really this is the kind of theme of what I'd like just to offer these reflections around this evening. How can we, in the midst of these lives that so easily get blown about, how can we cultivate some sense of steadying, some sense of resourcing, and some sense of kind of 
in inner making peace, inner kind of harmonizing, reconciling, coming to greater coherence, we could say. And I'd like to offer these reflections really by way of three themes that, that seem to be three kind of emerging themes in our retreat, because we've already used these words quite a lot. One is the theme of grounding. The second is the theme of enjoying. And the third, the theme of uh, spacious allowing. Spacious allowing. And just to say that these, the, this, this talk, these talks are all recorded, so you'll have access to them. Um, pretty much, uh, I think, from first thing tomorrow morning, just, just so that you know that. <clears throat> so first, this theme of grounding. Some of you may remember that the, the sh in the shrine at Gaia House, uh, this, the figure of the Buddha has this gesture of, of his hand reaching down and touching the earth. And this is uh, symbolic, this, this remembers the moment uh, in the, the kind of story of the Buddha's awakening when faced with the armies of Mara, faced with the kind of, if you like, the, turb the forces of turbulence that can distract, can, can obstruct, uh, that the legend says that Mara tried, employed to try to stop the Buddha awakening. What did the Buddha do amidst that? He touched the earth. So many kind of meanings we can give to that, but I think there's a very, in a certain way, a very obvious one, which is the reminder of this theme of grounding. This giving attention to the sensations of our contact with that which is steadying, that which is supportive, that which on which we can rely. So the sense of ground. We could almost say this is our primary relationship, uh, our relationship with the earth. And, you know, there's something so unconditional about the presence of ground, you know, it's not something we have to kind of manufacture or get together, you know, or, or earn in some way. It's just there, you know? there for us to remember, there for us to learn to rest into as we've practiced today. You know? To, to, <clears throat> you know, feel and appreciate the, that contact with floor, the ground of the floor, the ground of what we're sitting on. You may even like to just be practicing. And, you know, midst life's turbulence and its difficulties, we could say that the safe direction is downwards. The safe direction is downwards. Anxiety and fear send us up, don't they? 
you know, agitation sends us up, turbulence sends us up, you know, our culture easily sends us up. And what is it really to, to know and to cultivate as a daily cultivation of capacity also to come down? Not as some kind of ideology, oh, it's the answer is always to go down, you know, that's a kind of depression, you know, but to have a sense that actually we go down in order to rise up. So like with trees, wouldn't we say that the depth of a tree's down, downness in its root system is what enables its upness and its, its openness and the reach of its branches. The, the deeper the roots go, the more it can go up and the, the wider its reach. And maybe we're not so dissimilar to that. And so we have these phrases that we hear at the start of retreats, like slowing down, settling down, you know, as opposed to speeding up or getting up tight. You know. and, and really an encouragement you know, today over these days, if you can, when you can, to allow yourself to slow down, to allow yourself to renew your connection with the earth and the earth element this week. You may have the chance to do some walking meditation outside with your shoes off, and that may be very supportive. This, this sense of, of grounding is what helps to re-regulate the, the kind of nervous system, the energies of the body. Because without it, we just get charged up. We get charged up. You know, we, we watch the news. We have a difficult conversation. We, we, you know, just find that the soft tissue of our body is getting kind of agitated, almost electrified with the sense of charge. And if we haven't got our nervous system plugged into the earth as well, that charge will just keep accumulating. It's, it's like having a lightning conductor that's not really plugged into the earth, you know. Uh, and this may be a great opportunity today, these days, really to, to kind of plug your nervous system back into the nervous system of the earth with its slower and more absorbent kind of sense of capacity and steadiness. And this is very practical, you know, this is a very practical um, orientation in practice, you know, sensing the weight of your limbs, your feet, your legs, your hands and arms, feeling the contact that your body is making with the floor and with the seat, dwelling more in the lower half of your body than we tend to. You know, our society sends us up into the top quarter. What is it to remember, remember the lower half of the body and to inhabit that more fully? You know, sometimes when, when uh, well, yeah, the, the poet Rilke uh, used this line, patiently trust your own heaviness. It could be a meditation instruction, couldn't it? You know, because we can feel that part of us doesn't fully trust it. 
you know, the twitches and spasms of the nervous system may not fully trust it. Can I practice patiently trusting my own heaviness? And sometimes if anxiety is very high, which for some of us it may be today, you know, just to move the attention between feet, seat, hands, feet, seat, hands, you know, just to kind of find those grounds, reconnect with them. The earth element is the sense of kind of substance, fullness, firmness, solidity, kind of trustworthiness. And you may, you know, if there's a lot of charge in your body, sometimes even just to squeeze the body or tap the body like we did with Jaya, you know, can be really supportive of reinvoking that. We, we, need, we need respect for the defense mechanisms, the automatic defense mechanisms that sent us up, that sent us back in kind of recoil or dissociation or disconnection away from a sense of unsafety. You know, these, these defense mechanisms have their intelligence and they, you know, they may have protected us as children, may have protected us in difficult times in our lives. You know? So it's not to kind of pathologize having gone up. You know, we kind of thank, thank our nervous system for trying to keep us safe in this way. But, you know, that kind of dissociation, that disembodiment may not have updated. You know, we may still be recoiling from earlier perceptions of threat that may no longer be current that haven't really kind of understood or integrated our adulthood or the recognition that, that mindful presence is a better protection than unconscious reactivity and fear. And it may be that some of these old patterns have been activated in recent times with all the kind of collective turbulence we've lived through. And so, you know, kind of respecting that, not forcing a grounding, but inviting, inviting, just noticing what happens if we sense ground, if we allow the sense of safe ground to be more integrated into our bodies and our hearts. And, you know, sometimes there have been you know, it, it can be helpful even just to spend some more time than we might normally do, just lying on the floor, kind of rolling around on the floor and just letting the sense of ground back in to the textures of our body and heart. And, you know, because we, we can sense that there are parts of the body that are not activated. You know, the soles of your feet are probably not afraid. Your, your sit bones are probably not depressed. You know, the weight of your hands on your legs is probably not judging you. You know, uh, the, the, your legs are not busy comparing or regretting. And this is useful to know because up here we may be quite activated, you know, and for some of us, the breath may not be the most helpful meditation object because there's too much charge in it right now, you know? So just to take attention to those places that are steadying, 
and grounding and stabilizing. And, you know, they provide us kind of places we can practice staying in contact with and while we are relating to other people or other parts of ourselves that may be more agitated. A kind of embodied equanimity. So if you did nothing else over these few days but practice grounding, that would probably be time very well spent, very well spent. Because we can feel how the more there's a sense of ground, the more there can be a sense of openness and a sense of relationality. You know, to, to the extent that our nervous system has integrated a sufficient sense of safe ground to be able to lower its sense of threat level, to that extent, our heart will be willing to open. So, so often the best, the kindest practice for the heart is really to cultivate a sense of grounding, you know, and to feel how that can enable us to come into relationship with life, you know, human life, natural life, you know, all that surrounds us. And to sense how grounding really supports the second of the themes uh, of enjoying. You know, the Buddha recommended cultivating enjoyment as an essential dimension of practice. Okay, if I must, <laughs> you know. It's like, what would happen if we, if we made enjoyment much more central to our understanding of what this path is about? Practicing enjoyment. The Buddha said, whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. And he said, a skilled practitioner cultivates qualities of enjoyment, of wise enjoyment. And this is really the, the dimension of practice that, that is about gladdening the heart, is about nourishing our being that may have become depleted, may have become wearied, may have become worn down or burnt out by a sense of personal and collective stress or turbulence or bad, bad news. You know? And, you know, the part of the great opportunity of days on retreat, whether at a retreat center or, or at home, is to, to practice letting that which has become dulled by familiarity and habit, again become alive and nourishing through being re-noticed, through being kind of valued afresh, taken in with more appreciative awareness. You know, what are, the, uh, what are the experiences in your daily life that have become a bit dulled, <laughs> you know, that could be allowed to bloom again uh, and be, be experiences that uplift you, 
that, that give a sense of nourishment day to day, you know. Maybe it is contact with nature. Even contact with nature, even contact with, you know, flowers, trees, sky, birdsong can get dulled, can't it? You know, particularly when we're stressed or feeling spun around by the winds of turbulence. You know, what about making a practice this week of just pausing, savoring and letting it in? Really letting it in more fully again. Letting yourself be nourished. Maybe there's beauty in your home. Maybe there are simple, you know, just the gift of being able to move. The gift of being able to walk, if you can. You know, we'll, we'll miss that when we can no longer do that. You know, what about really letting ourselves be nourished by that? Thich Nhat Hanh said, you know, the miracle's not to walk on water, the miracle's to walk on the earth. Can we bring that, that sense of wonder and appreciation and deep gratitude to our walking meditation or to the taste of food or to the qigong that we're doing with jaya, you know? This, this may be a good week to restart a, a practice of gratitude. You know, the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart said, if the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will suffice. That will suffice. You know? And we can feel how, you know, when there's turbulence, when there's stress, our sense of gratitude also gets can so easily get lost and what's wrong gets prioritized over what's right <laughs> what's a gift what's a blessing in my life you know there's a way as the kind of uh, you know indigenous cultures all over the world highlight that that gratitude restores our a right relationship with life restores a right relationship with life. It kind of enlarges the capacity of our heart. It's not as a denial, not as a denial of what's difficult, but as a remembering of what's a blessing. So yes, this difficulty and these blessings. You know, yes, this difficulty and my life is also very blessed in many ways. We can feel how, how this is so different from craving. You know, craving which, which demands, that, that wants something that's not here, that activates the nervous system with a sense of dissatisfaction. You know, appreciation and enjoyment receives what's already here, you know, or receives more fully the gift of the bird song, the sky the movement, the taste of food, the presence of ones who people I care about. You know. Craving, we could say, activates, appreciation regulates. It, it restores balance. And we can bring this also right into the midst of our meditation practice. You know, what would it be to make the practice of gentle enjoyment 
really central to your meditation practice this week. So easily we default to old programs like trying to do it right, trying to get it right, trying to get my attention to stay there on the breath, you know. And how much, how much more enjoyable to make the practice one of renewing an intention of gentle enjoyment of the freshness of the in-breath, the release of the out-breath, the resting of the pause before the next in-breath, or a gentle enjoyment of the quiet okayness of feet or of hands. gentle enjoyment of the subtle pleasantness of being present. The subtle pleasantness of being present. The mind will tend to want to stay with that which it's enjoying. And this is something we can really gently cultivate, like you might kind of blow on the embers of a fire if you wanted a flame gradually to kind of rekindle, you know, so that there's just this gentle renewing again and again of an enjoyment of breathing, you know, an enjoyment of the hands resting in the lap. It's not really about intensity. It's not intensity that tends to make the difference. It's actually more about sustaining, practicing sustaining this intention, practicing resting in what's pleasant. And as, as Jaya put it this afternoon, kind of soaking it up, soaking it up. Some of you will be familiar with uh, the, the kind of teachings and practice around jhanas, which are different kind of bandwidths of enjoyment, kind of increasingly refined enjoyment. And the images that the, the uh, Buddha uses for these are often ones of soaking and saturation. And even the word jhana, one of its meanings is absorb. So it's this kind of water element quality, you know. And so you could have a sense of just kind of soaking up this week that which is enjoyable or soaking in that which is enjoyable. Almost like you're kind of marinating the the body and the heart in a gentle sense of pleasantness, a gentle sense of okayness that can coexist. And the really interesting thing, you know, this can coexist with discomfort and unpleasant sensations in body and mind. The practice of enjoyment doesn't require the complete absence of all discomfort or all thinking, you know, or all difficult thoughts even. You know, we, we so easily just kind of have us kind of uh, turn our attention. We're just so oriented to difficulty, you know, and, and we can even have the sense, oh, practice is all about turning towards the difficult. But actually, an equally important dimension in practice 
is to, to learn how at times not to give so much attention to what's difficult, especially when we've, we're kind of seeking to settle and steady and nourish the body, heart, mind, or when we're feeling overwhelmed by turbulence and stress. This is not avoidance. This is resourcing, resourcing learning how to make much of that which is enjoyable that which we can really appreciate that which is a blessing in this moment a blessing in our life so really an encouragement over these days to practice enjoying <laughs> practice enjoying both in the meditation to make that a central intention in your meditation and to practice kind of basking, marinating in the other blessings in your life over these days, even as they coexist with difficulties or with turbulence. You know, this is so helpful, so helpful. So key to our capacity for resilience, and our capacity for clearer seeing, wisdom, and compassion. So grounding, enjoying, and thirdly, spacious allowing. You know, part of what you may sense if you're practicing these qualities already of grounding and enjoying is that they open up a certain kind of spaciousness, a certain kind of ease, a certain kind of, uh, kind of un, unobstructed quality. There's a very close relationship between grounding and space. Grounding can, can help prevent spaciousness from becoming spaciness, you know, a kind of dissociated quality. But in Zen, they talk about, you know, solid as the mountain, open as the ocean. And there's that sense that it's this kind of solidity of the kind of earth element mountain that enables that kind of openness that kind of spaciousness and, and allows it to be sustained, allows it to be sustained. And you know, our invitation this week is really to let the awareness that knows body be spacious, a spaciousness that includes the body and the space around the body. As I think we've kind of pointed to a couple of times already today, you may feel that, that when you're, you're sensing the body, we can feel how it doesn't have kind of solid edges. The idea of it does, even the visual, you know, the visual appearance of it might seem to, but the felt sense of it is much more like there's a kind of diffuseness a bit like kind of if you dropped ink, dropped a little ink into a wet sheet, 
and the kind of ink spreads out and kind of diffuses into the white space. And maybe you can just sense that even as you sit here now. You know, when there's enough ground, there can be this kind of opening to the larger field of embodied presence. And to sense that, that actually when we do that, it, it's, it's kind of almost unavoidably pleasant. <laughs> you know, if there's enough ground, it will, it will be pleasant to open up the field of awareness. We can feel how reactivity and turbulence and stress contracts. You know, so we contract around a thought. I'm meditating and I realize I forgot to do that thing and the mind contracts. Or there's pain in the knee and the mind contracts. You know, or a painful memory comes up and the mind contracts. Or sleepiness, there's a kind of huddling in and contraction. You know. All of these will tend to have a kind of unpleasantness to them, right? <laughs> you know? Even like, I've got to get my mind to stay on my breath. There's a contraction there that's unpleasant. You know? What is it to, to, to cultivate, keep expanding the awareness to include the body and the space around the body? The, the, the Buddha's word, interestingly, for, for samadhi, one of his descriptions was mahagatang chittang, which means a chittang, a heart that has gatang maha, has grown great has grown enlarged. So contrary to the kind of implication of concentration, which can feel like a kind of spike, the Buddha presents collectedness, samadhi, as a spacious heart. A spacious heart. And in his basic instructions on mindfulness, he, he describes breathing in sensitive to the entire body, breathing out sensitive to the entire body, breathing in, calming the bodily formations, breathing out, calming the bodily formations. And so I think we would really encourage you as you practice this week, whether you're practicing sitting practice or uh, walking practice or Qigong, or just kind of being around your home, going out for walks, cultivating a sense of spacious awareness, grounded and spacious. Yes, the mind will keep shrinking. Inevitably, it keeps doing that. And just the gently expanding and enjoying that. You know? And this third orientation, spacious Allowing, allowing. You know, this, like each of these principles, is actually a really profound practice. Grounding, enjoying, allowing. These are practices that really can open up depth in our experience, in our kind of metabolization of the Dharma, the Buddhist teachings. <clears throat> we, we may have a sense of, okay, yeah, allow emotions, great, you know, allow emotions. 
What is it really to let the textures of the body be pervaded by a sense of allowing? The textures of the body and the nervous system, we could say. Which, as we can probably sense as we do that, is not separate from the heart-mind, the chitta, to use that term. How the body is tends to be how the heart-mind is, and vice versa. So what is it really, you know, to sit in meditation or sit with a cup of tea and just practice letting this body be pervaded with a sense of spacious allowing? The areas of the comfort and the areas of discomfort or agitation. To hold discomfort in a spacious arena where there's a kind of breathing with and a breathing through discomfort and pain. Letting these sensations rest in a more spacious field of allowing. Surrounded by, suffused by, saturated by, soaked in a more spacious allowing. Not to say that this is easy or we can do it straight away, but to sense it as a possibility, to return to it as an intention, just like we return to the intentions of grounding or the intention of enjoying. Can we return to the intention of spacious allowing? Not just to acknowledge, allowing not as our only response to life, you know. know, We also need our capacity to say no, (laughs) to have clear boundaries, you know. But allowing what's already here, allowing the body, heart, mind to be more steady and settled and coherent, in itself, have a greater sense of peace, is part of what can enable us to respond rather than just react to the turbulence of life. Because part of what we'll discover if we do practice this somatic allowing, we could call it spacious somatic allowing, is the way in which the body and the heart store reactivity as patterns of contraction, as patterns of tightening, as a kind of holding in or a holding up. We talk about this up tight or contracted. That can be very kind of gross in our body and our heart and can be very subtle as well. Kind of micro contractions. And particularly if we've been through difficult times recently. We may notice that those have become a bit more contracted or a bit more reactive. And that these days are such a precious opportunity to practice what, as I quoted the Buddha, saying calming these bodily formations or patterns 
the, the, the Buddhist word is sankara, calming these activations, these patterns, these contractions. As the Buddha also puts it, he talks about releasing them or stilling them. You know? And the practice of allowing is you know, one that we can, can open up progressively deeper levels of ease and a quietening of sankharic activation and turbulence you know we can also notice that that it uh, helps to make experience feel less solid and obstructive we could say that the solidity the obstructive quality of ex- ex- obstructive quality in experience whether it's the experience of self or other or world or time or suffering all of that is intensified by reactivity all of it is de-intensified and kind of unfabricated by spacious allowing particularly when it's accompanied by grounding and by enjoyment. And so, yeah, just these, these three invitations uh, to play with. I love Jaya's in, inviting us to play with practice. It's such a helpful attitude. Prevents us from taking it so seriously in a way that also tightens us up, you know. But to play with these intentions of enjoying, of, oh, sorry, of grounding, of enjoying, of spacious allowing. We could say that the practice of enjoying opens into the practice of compassion in ways that we'll explore later in the retreat. We could say that the practice of spacious allowing opens into our capacity for wisdom as we'll also come on to explore. And we could say that the practice of grounding is what enables both of the others. And so, you know, an invitation to play, an invitation to sense what uh, feels most helpful, what feels needed in any particular moment, to sense the interrelationships between these qualities, how you know, I can enjoy grounding, I can enjoy spacious allowing, how grounding enables enjoyment and allowing. <laughs> you know, we just sense that these kind of flow together and mutually support each other in a way that certainly can deepen our capacity for samadhi, for steadiness amidst the turbulence, and also truly can deepen our insight, our understanding of what it is that constricts and binds our bodies and our hearts, and what it is that contributes to their unbinding in ways that I think uh, 
Jaya will be further exploring tomorrow. So, grounding, enjoying, spacious allowing. Should we just uh, pause for a moment uh, to let these in? So thank you for your attention. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.